Uh, if you haven't already, grab your Bibles and turn with me uh, all the way to the end of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 25 to 27. And we're ending uh, with, uh, we're ending the series of Romans today. I don't know how you're feeling about that. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, uh, but I hope that it's been so good. Uh, Romans is so rich, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Uh, let's just uh, say a quick word of prayer before we get into the word. Father, thank you for this morning. I uh, thank you, God, for this Advent season and this season of Christmas that you remind us that you are with us, uh, that you are for us, and God, you are greater than we can ever imagine, Lord. And today, as we end the series of Romans, a uh, letter to the Romans, uh, may you continue to speak. May you be with us. May words of truth just come from my mouth, and may you give us hearts to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I want to start by sharing a quick story. Uh, many of you might know this, but I went to Sir Winston uh, Churchill Secondary School and I followed their Instagram, uh, their athletics program, their Instagram account. And I believe it was a couple of weeks ago, they posted a story uh, on through the Instagram uh, and it showed, a, it panned the, uh, the, the, the gym, showing all the championship banners uh, that, that were around in the, in, in the gym. And the question in the caption was, were you part of any of these banners or were you part of any of these championships? And I was thinking about that. And I'm like, I'm not sure I really was. Uh, the sports that I mainly played in high school uh, is baseball, which was outside of the, of Churchill, but also basketball. And we, and we never won any city championships, at least on the teams that I was in. And maybe it's because I was in them. I don't know, but we never won anything, but, the, but, but actually, as I was thinking about it, there actually was one championship that was, that I was a, a part of. And, and I remembered it was actually the 2000 and to 2001 uh, badminton team. Uh, and you're thinking, what you play badminton? And yes, I did play badminton, though it was an accident uh, altogether, uh, because I actually uh, accidentally tried out for the team because I thought it was an open gym uh, after school. And then I made it onto the team somehow. I was the worst player on the team by far. I showed up to one practice and one game the entire season, and. And that one game I showed up to, it was a doubles match. And my partner was furious with me because I was like, hey, which, which side am I supposed to serve on even? I, I didn't even know the rules. Uh, but yet I guess they're like, hey, this guy looks like he can play. I don't know why they put me onto uh, the team. But lo and behold, I got a, a call. It was over the PA. They announced, oh, congratulations to the uh, Bantam, uh, uh, to the our badminton team because they won the city championships. Uh, if you want to uh, come, uh, congratulate them in hallway. And uh, if you're part of the team, come and collect your city, uh, come and collect your, your, your t-shirt for winning the championship. So actually I had the guts to go down to the, uh, to, to the PE office and actually collect the, the shirt. And I still have it somewhere that says I'm a city champion uh, in badminton. And, that, and I think that's pretty funny actually, because you know me, I don't really play badminton and that wasn't really my sport. And just to show you, this was actually real. I actually have a picture of me on, on the city championship right in the middle, uh, right there. I'm not sure what I was doing, crossing my arms. Uh, probably didn't want to be, be there. I had split hair. Yes, this was 20 years ago. And I hear it making a way back. And yeah, I'm going to take that down now uh, before he dies, take a picture. Uh, but that's the, my, my point is... It's funny how when you look around in the banner there in the city, in the in the in the gym rather, we hang up banners of uh, of what we won. We want up want up. Uh, we hang up accolades of what uh, of of the of the games that we won and the tournaments that we won, uh, but we don't put up banners of us losing. 
Uh, we don't put up banners of us losing. No one really likes a participation ribbon. I never really enjoyed that. Like, you know, thanks for coming out today. <laughs> you know, that's basically what it is. Uh, when nations go to battle, uh, when they win, they show their strength by planting a flag. When in the Olympics, when you win the gold medal, your national anthem of your country is being played. And I don't think I've ever seen a ceremony for someone who helps someone else win or a team that made someone else better. But the passage here today, we learn something about God, that God, on the other hand, here's the big idea, that God displays his strength, not by purely showing his strength or making himself seem better, but he displays his strength by making you strong. So God displays his strength by making you strong. And, and today we're ending the series on Romans, and we're going through the letters, uh, this letter for the past 24 weeks. Can you believe it? Since end of June till now, we've been going through it for 24 weeks. And next week, we're starting a, a new three-part three series uh, called Fear Not, uh, exploring the Do Not Fear, Do Not Be Afraid passages in Luke 1 to 2. And we'll have two Sundays of that, and then it'll end on Christmas Eve. But I'm excited that this is the last sermon uh, on Romans, but I'm also kind of sad uh, that that is ending. I went into the series thinking I'm feeling pretty intimidated by the series and that was true throughout every single Sunday uh, Romans was preached I was feeling pretty intimidated and all the way till now in the very last Sunday I'm still feeling uh, pretty intimidated uh, by the letter to the Romans but Romans is, is one letter uh, we, we we broke it down uh, we uh, as we wrote uh, as we tried to print out the Bible and for us to understand it we we put it into 16 chapters but this was actually one long letter to the church in Rome, uh, we've seen how the gospel changes everything and how in the gospel, the whole letter is really about Jesus and how he has changed us. And if, if this is your first time tuning in, you're like, man, I tuned into the last couple of verses of Romans. I really encourage you to, to read the last 16 chapters for yourself and, and to dive into the richness that, that's found in the words there. Well, the final verses today contain a doxology and doxa means glory and logos means word. So at the letter, uh, Paul ends his letter with a doxology, giving glory, uh, giving a word, giving glory to, to God. And if we were to shorten this doxology, it really can be said to now to him who is able to establish you be glory forever. So if we were to shorten the whole passage here, that's the essence of it uh, to the one who's able to establish you be glory forever. But in very Paul-like fashion, he couldn't just leave it there with one sentence because he's experienced the grace of God. And he knows that there is, aren't enough words to describe how wonderful, how amazing a God really is. But Paul tries anyway. Uh, Paul tries anyway to describe who God is. He really started off by wanting to explain the gospel. And here we are 16 chapters later. And he starts by explaining how God displays his strength. Uh, how God displays his strength, and it's through the gospel. God displays his strength through the gospel. Remember the big idea today that God displays his strength by making you strong, so we need to understand how exactly does God dis, uh, display his strength through us, and we see here in this, these verses that God displays his strength through the gospel. Well, what do I mean by this? Uh, beginning of verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you. What's the first thing about this passage? Now to him, everything we've been talking about, everything in the past 16 chapters is actually not about knowing more. It's not about gaining more theology or pounding that into you. Uh, the 16 chapters have helped us to get to know a person better. Actually, it's for some of you, you've gotten, gotten to know this person for the very first time. And for some of you, for others of you, you've gotten to know this person a little bit more. And that's because at the heart of the gospel is actually a person. 
and that person is Jesus. So what about this person? Well, Paul doesn't start by naming God by character. Uh, he doesn't start by naming him, by giving him a title. He actually starts by characterizing him here. Uh, later in verse 26, he describes God as eternal. And in 27, he describes God as, he characterizes God as wise. But here, Paul describes God as a person who can es establish you. Or another translation, to, to strengthen you. How does God strengthen you? Well, by giving you something good to think about, by giving you a set of good moral principles or to send you off to do some good spiritual exercises to exercise your soul and to, to get stronger in that way. No, like God isn't about just doing good things and about gaining a better morality, as it were. As, as we go on to read, uh, God establishes you not by any of those means, but it's in accordance with the gospel. In accordance with my gospel, as Paul says, and it's not his gospel as in he created it, but what he's trying to say is that the gospel I've been trying to tell you about for the last 16 chapters, that God has been strengthening you through all of these things about the gospel. And that's because this message he proclaims is not about himself. It's not about anyone else, but it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ. The message, the message we've been preaching, the 16 letters of Romans has always pointed to Jesus Christ. So God gives us strength through the gospel, and the gospel is all about Jesus. Now, some of us might be thinking, well, okay, that's great. Uh, we're at the end of the letter of Romans, and that's great, uh, but, but so what? I don't really want your gospel, Paul, or the gospel that you're presenting. Some of us think that uh, I don't need the gospel at all, because here's, here's the thing. When you fill in this blank, what, what do you fill this in? Uh, God, I need you to, to what? How would you fill in this blank uh, this, this morning? First of all, we never outgrow our need for the gospel. Uh, you don't graduate from the gospel and you move on and say, I'm too good for it. In fact, you only grow deeper into the gospel. And secondly, when we ask God to, to give us strength, when we pray for strength, the question is for us, is that what are we really praying for? When we pray for strength from God, what are we really asking for? What does that really mean? And if it's like me, in times that I wrestle with this, we usually mean it in a way of changing the situation, right? Like, God, provide for our finances, heal the sickness, give me good grades, bring a person into my life, fix my marriage, show me my purpose, help my kids behave, the list goes on. It's about filling a certain need and God providing something. And those aren't bad desires by any means, and God is the giver of good gifts for sure. But what if we looked at these through the lens of the gospel, though? What if we prayed, God... What does the gospel say about my relationship? God, what does the gospel say about my purpose? Or what does the gospel say about what, my, what career I should go into? What school I should, I should be in? God, what does the gospel say about the sickness I'm going through or this pain and the suffering that I'm, that I'm going through? See, God strengthens us and he displays his strength through the gospel. It's not by any other means. It's not, it's not by anything else. God doesn't strengthen you by connecting you to something else that's flimsy in life. As, as uh, John says in 1 John 2, 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever, that we're to hang on to God and what he says, because we know that the world and its desires and its goods and its riches all pass away. So God gives you something much better. God strengthens you by, hold, by holding onto you and by giving you something that's much more secure. God strengthens you by securing you to himself because the gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about what God is doing. 
And that's what the gospel is all about. Again, how we were sinful and deserving of death and eternal separation but, uh, from God. But God gave us himself. God sent his son Jesus to save us and bring us back to him forever so that we can be secure in him. That we don't need to live uh, shaky, uh, shaky lives. Often I find myself, I'm praying God to anchor me down in a certain situation to provide for me and whatever it is that I think I need. And maybe that's true for some of us that we're praying for an anchor when God is saying, I'm going to connect you to the shore. I'm going to connect you to a ground that is unshakable. I'm going to connect you to someone, namely me, that nothing else can ever remove because I am that immovable object in your life. So I'm not going to connect you to something flimsy that you might be asking for. I'm going to connect you to myself. I'm going to connect you to my gospel, which proclaims Jesus. And what's fascinating about this word for establish is that it's not a strength from the outside necessarily. It's, it's a strengthening of the inside. Uh, your life is sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's inside of you is protected by God. It's sealed. It, it's, it's put away. It's, it's God is protecting, protecting you. And I'm trying to understand this. Uh, how does God exactly uh, strengthen us, not only on the outside, but what's on the inside? And my mind goes to this. Have you ever wondered how you make fried ice cream? Have you, anyone ever had fried ice cream before? Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. Like, how do you fried ice cream? How do you fry something that's so cold? Um, maybe you never wonder how to make fried ice cream, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Well, fr fry, air fryers at, at, uh, are all the rage right now, and maybe you have one. So maybe you can try frying ice cream of your own. You can tell me how that goes. But the key step to frying ice cream is actually getting the ice cream cold enough. Milk freezes at negative 0.54 degrees on average, or so I looked up. And what, what uh, restaurants do are when people make uh, fried ice cream, they freeze it at a temperature below that. So they wrap it in batter and cornflakes or whatever else they wrap it in. And then the, the, the ice cream is already frozen uh, deeper, more, um, it's more cold than it usually is. And then they th throw it into, uh, into the fryer. And so that, that way there's a buffer before it melts. Uh, in other words, you strengthen what's on the inside. Uh, you freeze, uh, you make it extra cold on what's on the inside. You strengthen the core. Okay, well, that, that illustration, it's not perfect. Uh, it breaks down uh, pretty easily, but I think you get the point of what I'm trying to say. You, you know how you survive a pandemic? It's the same way. How do you survive a pandemic? Uh, how, how do you go through any trial or, or any pain or any suffering? How do you endure the fires of life that we're going to face? Or that moment when you're near the end of your life and you're so close to seeing Jesus, how do you find strength in those moments? It's not anything on the outside. It's what God provides and strengthens on the inside, not by securing what's on the outside, but by allowing God to strengthen you on the inside. And it, it takes time. Uh, and that's exactly what the gospel has been doing. That has been giving you the strength that is like no other. And maybe that's why the psalmist uh, says this in Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. And what a beautiful picture that is, that we're not meant to live a life that's defeated, but we're meant to go strength to strength. And I don't know if you're feeling like you're going strength to strength, or you're feeling like you're living a life that's defeated right now, that maybe 2020 has been kicking your butt. But we find strength from the word this morning, this doxology here, that God is the one that's able to establish that God is able, that God is able to do more than what we can ever imagine. God has all the glory in the world, 
he doesn't need to do any of this. God has all the strength in the world. There is in the universe that this all powerful God, this eternal and this wise God doesn't need to show strength to anyone. He doesn't need to do anything for anyone, but he did show his strength. He did choose to display his strength and he chose to display his strength through the person of Jesus. And he chose to display his strength by making you strong, not by making you weaker, not by showing that God knows better, but by strengthening you. And you might be wondering at this moment, well, strength to do what? So God gives us strength through the gospel. We, we just went over that. And I think we get to understand that. But second point is this, we're given the strength to actually understand God. God has displayed the strength through the gospel, through the person of Jesus, but he's giving us the strength so that we can understand, understand God. He goes on in verse 25 to say that, uh, that, that, that this gospel was a mystery hidden, hidden for long ages past. And in verse 26, how it's now been revealed and made known through the prophetic writings. Our, our family was eating dinner uh, last week and all of a sudden Cohen puts down his fork and he looks really, really troubled. And, and he looks at me and says, daddy, I don't want to be a pastor. And I was like, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. I never forced you to be. But what he said next was very interesting. He's like, I don't know anything about God. And again, he's really complex. I'm very, very perplexed. I don't know anything about God. All I know is that Jesus died on the cross. And at that moment, I was thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh, that's all I really know too, but don't tell anyone else that. Uh, that's all I really know as a pastor. See, we need strength to understand God though. And whatever it is that we understand of him, God is gracious and it's enough for us in that moment. We need strength to understand God because God is infinite. God is infinite. He's all powerful. He's all knowing and we are finite. God didn't need to make this mystery, his plan, his salvation, his plan to save all of humanity known to anyone, but he chose to display his glory through the gospel, through Jesus dying on the cross in order to give us strength. God chose to display his strength by making you strong. You see this mystery, it doesn't have much to do with not knowing, um, not knowing uh, about God. It's not about not knowing, but it's actually about not understanding. So for ages past, people could not understand God. They couldn't understand what God is doing, what his plan is, uh, what his purposes are in the world. But we read here that it's now been revealed. It's been made known uh, to us, people in the new covenant, after Jesus has come, that he has lived and died and, and rose again, that in his strength, God gave you strength to understand God Almighty. Though it was once a mystery, Paul has saying that God has revealed it all to you. Have you ever heard of the phrase, knowledge is, is power? And in, in our time and culture, you don't reveal secrets, right? Like in foods, you don't reveal your secret sauce or your secret ingredient. Like what is in that Big Mac sauce? Like what is in that triple O sauce or, or the ratios of Coca-Cola? We'll never know. Like that's a secret. Like, they're not ever going to tell us. And, and if you're in business, you don't reveal your trade secret or your competitive edge. In sports, you don't reveal your play before you do it, right? And we might be tempted to think that God lives in this way, that God uh, does uh, things and, 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 and operates in the universe in this way, that he's keeping all the goods away from humanity, that he's just somewhere out there just laughing at us, but like, well, look at these silly humans trying to figure things out. I'm, not, I'm never going to tell them anything. 
but God displayed all his cards. We see that here in this, this doxology, God displayed all his cards. He displayed himself fully through the person of Jesus. This, is in, this in fact doesn't make him weak. He did it because he's fully confident in himself that he actually, actually displays to us that he is strong. So God displays his strength by letting you in, by letting you know what he's up to. God displays his strength by giving you strength to understand the mind of Christ. As it says here in 1 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. I love this last part, but because we have the spirit, we have the mind of Christ. Just sit on that for a moment this morning. Just wait on that for, for a moment. You mean us as, as human beings, we've been given the strength and the ability in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to know the mind of the creator, that everything you see, everything you know, everything that's out there in the cosmos and everything that's here on earth, that all the marvels and all the wonders, God has given us the ability, not just to understand that, but to know him, the one who has created all things. And I don't know if that blows you away this morning, but that astounds me. That me, a mere human being, God is willing to give me that strength and that ability to understand him. And if we're giving access to the one who made all this, why would he not reveal what's lesser? What's lesser than him? In, in Matthew 8, Jesus and the disciples are in a boat and they're caught in the storm. And you might have heard the story before Jesus is asleep and the disciples are freaking out uh, up on the, on the ship deck. And, and he go, they, they go and wake up Jesus, and they say this in verse 25, Matthew 8, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. I, lo I love that. And what, why does Jesus uh, say this? And that's because just before the, these verses, Jesus performed miracle after miracle, healing person after person. And now they're caught in a storm and they're freaking out, forgetting who this Jesus is that they're with, who this God is that they're with. And I want to get practical for, for a moment here, that since God has given you the strength to understand him, this means that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is, God has, is able to give you understanding of how the gospel is speaking into your life right now and right here. Maybe it's about knowing your purpose of your life. That God is able to give you strength. And God has already given you strength to know your purpose, the purpose of your life and why you've been made. Or maybe you're wrestling with certain uh, brokenness and, and pains from the past. And you're wrestling with that, that God is giving you the gospel and the gospel has spoken truth and love into those moments. And that some of you are still living in your past mistakes, but God is saying, I've already freed you. The gospel is speaking into that moment right now. And he's giving you the mind, his mind in terms of what he's thinking about it or how to endure that pain and trial that you're going through right now, or that pain and trial that your, your family and your friend is going through or how to handle disappointments, how to handle setbacks, what to do and what to say when the time calls for it. And you think, I don't know about God, I can represent you well enough, but God is saying, I've already revealed it to you. I'm continuing, like I'm continually walking with you at this moment. Some of you are asking, what should I do in my relationships? God has already proclaimed that in the gospel. He's already revealed that to you. He's revealed how to love yourself 
as God loves you, how to love your family, how to love your, your spouse, how to love your kids, how to live as a man of God, how to live as a woman of God. God has already revealed that to you. He's already made that known to you. God has given us his mind. It's, it's often not a matter of can we follow God, but will we follow God? It's not a question of whether God is able, but it's a question of are we willing? Because if we call ourselves Christians, God has given us that uh, his spirit and he's speaking to us continually. So we see that God displays his strength through the gospel and that's through revealing his son, Jesus Christ to us. Secondly, he gives us strength to understand. And thirdly, he gives us the strength to obey. He actually gives us the strength to follow through on what he is calling us to do. says this in verse 26 so that all the gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith and i'm not going to spend too much time on this final point because i believe that if we understand the first two and we're living it out obedience and actually naturally comes as a product of the faith that we have but you might be thinking right now that's pretty uninspiring that's the way that paul ends this that if the end goal of all this is obedience then i'm really not that interested but some of us think, might, 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 be, might remember how Paul started off this letter back in Romans 1 to 5. Uh, he says this, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. So this whole letter has actually been drawing us closer to God and leading us closer into obeying and following him. The reason why he felt led to write Romans is so that Gentiles or the nations that were Gentiles is translated would come into obedience, would come into this relationship with God. And again, I'm not going to spend too much time on that because naturally when we understand God, uh, when we're living up for him, when we understand what he has done for us and we understand the strength that he has given us to understand him, obedience naturally follows. And if obedience isn't following, hear this, there's something broken in, in the chain. And if you call yourself a Jesus follower today, I find maybe 2 Peter 1.10 will be helpful for you. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. That if you call yourself a Christ follower, that we are actually able to affirm, confirm our calling and election by knowing, by seeing, by observing the way that we've been living. And that's something between you and God that no one else can judge. No one else can say that we are to measure up ourselves up against what God is saying. Be like, hey, have I been confirming my calling, my election? Have I been living in obedience? Because in scripture, you hear a lot about faith, but faith is never found alone. Faith is always paired with obedience. And that's our way of understanding uh, the, the gospel. So following God isn't just about doing what's right. It's not about gaining a set of good morals or just about being a good person. Following God is about being in a relationship. Following God is a matter of life and death. Our family earlier this year was on the island and uh, I got a chance to go spelunking, uh, which is another word for caving. Uh, Jess uh, was taking care of Ryan and uh, Cohen and I were able to go caving and we followed a guide uh, up at a Horn Lake, uh, which is uh, about 30 minutes from Coombs, goats on the roof, 30 minutes from there. And it was pitch black in there. The, the guy was great. The guy was like, hey, watch your head here. Watch out for the slippery rock here. Don't go down that path. There's a, there's a drop off. Watch out for the waterfall, this and that. 
And I followed our guide because I had no idea what I'm doing. No one in that situation would say following your guide is foolish. Following your guide is, is, is a bad idea. No, we follow our guide because our guide knows what they're doing. Our guide is in control, understands the path, understands the way, and they're leading us through the darkness. And I see God in very much the same way. When we live in obedience to God, that's when we live this unshaken life, a life that whether you're knowingly or unknowingly craving for, that is the life that we've been made for. And that is where we find the good life. And our obedience naturally leads to giving God more glory. He ends here in verse 27, the very last verse of Romans, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to end this morning by asking you this question. Have you come to experience the gospel? Have you come to know the power of the gospel? Do you know this Jesus that we're talking about? And if you do, how are you doing in obedience? And if you don't, maybe I will suggest to you that is the missing piece in your life, that that is what you're needing to live that life that you've been looking for. All those moments where you're, you're feeling purposelessness, where you're feeling lonely, where you're feeling down and out and defeated, I believe Jesus is that peace that you've been searching for. But for those of you that have been following God, how are you doing with your obedience? How are we actually taking God's word? Are we taking it seriously? Are we taking our faith seriously? Because here's the thing, as I end this morning, if even if you don't confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, or you're not living a life that takes your faith seriously, we have affirmation and confirmation in this doxology here that God is still able to establish you, that God still loves you. That even if you don't confess that Jesus still loves you, Jesus still gave his life for you. Jesus still died for you. Jesus still hung on that cross for you. God still showed all his cards by declaring to the universe how much he loves you. So don't you want a relationship with a God that loves you so much? Wouldn't you want to live a life with this kind of security, this unshakableness that we experience from God, a life where no matter what happens, you remain hopeful and you remain unshaken, that the fires will come, that the trials will come, that the terrible things of life will come, but my hope remains secure in Christ alone. And for some of us this morning, you've been finding security in yourself. And if we learn anything from 2020, we've learned that we can't find security in anything, really. We are not in control of anything at all. We think we're in control. We think we have it all together. But ultimately, we are like a mist, as James says. So it's not about finding security in yourself. And for some of you this morning, you got to let that go. And you're going to have to come before God and be like, God, I'm going to exchange that. I'm not going to find hope in myself and my own strength. But I'm going to hold on to you and what you can do. And the very last word of Romans is amen, which means truly or very truly or so be it. My prayer for us as we end the letter to the Romans is this, that you will let your life and the way you live speak for who you are. Church, this morning, as we start off, as we go into this Christmas season, as we start off December, will your life be an amen? Will your life be an amen to God that testifies the greatness of God, declares how amazing he is, and declares the truthfulness of the gospel, that declares everything that Jesus has done? That is our challenge this morning, and that's the challenge to you. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for taking us on this journey through the letter to the Romans. That through 16 jam-packed chapters of gospel truth, all of it is really about your love. It's really about getting us to know more about you as a person. So Father, for, for all of us, I pray that Christianity will not be a religion, but it really will be a relationship. That through this Christmas season, God, that you will renew in us again, that we're not following a set of rules, God, but we're following a person and you are good and you are wise and you are eternal and you, God, are for us and you, God, are able to establish and strengthen us no matter what it is that we're wrestling through, whether it's sickness, whether it's pain, whether it's trials and suffering, whether it's disappointments, whether it's wrestling with our own thoughts, whether it's a certain circumstance, God, you are able and because you are able, God, we will follow. So God, thank you for loving us and for speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.